0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation.
1: Okay, so obviously Fridays are my favorite day because, you know, our episodes come out on Fridays. But I think Wednesdays are also starting to be my favorite day of the week. Because it's hump day? <laughs> oh God, we we're just is that because in this episode we talk about birth control and sex and y'all get that off your mind uh, i can't no that is not why i teach in the hospital on wednesdays i take my students for a 12-hour shift to a hospital where they get their clinical you know it's like the nursing clinicals where you go with your yeah. instructor and get assigned a nurse and a patient and you do all the hands-on stuff so you
0: love doing that stuff
1: I love it. I well, I miss the hospital. It's like, it's so, it's my hospital fix when I go and take them for clinical. So yeah. anyway, Wednesdays are starting to be my new favorite day because my students compliment me on literally everything. And I don't know if they're <laughs> doing it because they think that if they butter me up enough, I'm going to like give them some hints on the exam.
0: Or is it just like, because you're just like, so great, Jack. <laughs> no, like they... <laughs>
1: for sure think that they're gonna like get some hints from my from the exams and like i wouldn't do that but like <laughs> they're like getting pretty close like they're like jackie we've been listening to your podcast we just we love your podcast so much like oh my god jackie is that the wear scr- is that the figs scrub suit the jumpsuit that you're wearing we love that or like jackie your hair is just really empty Jack- today tell them that
0: you're gonna give them a hint if they leave us a nice five-star review <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring in. I'll bring. Uh, yes, guys. <laughs> I will bring give you cookies. A, I will. No, I'll
1: give you a hint on the exam if you leave us a five star review. Just kidding. I would literally never do that because I could lose my job. Okay. Bye. Anyway, so something that they've been bringing up to me lately, though, is this whole scandal that happened with the nurses. And can we call them nurses? I don't even. I. I know. I'm like I said, nurses, and now I just stopped myself. The plagiarizing of nurse licenses and degrees and transcripts. A lot. So they've all been asking me, like, what the hell? You need to talk about this on the podcast. And I'm like, yeah, I we really need to talk about it. And I know it's been a few weeks since this scandal kind of broke out, but you and I have not even talked about it yet. What Danielle,
0: what the fuck? I think I've been in shock for the last two weeks of it because it's like it makes me wonder is this like we all have that like nurse or two on the unit that you kind of look at them and you're like, how did you get here? You know, and like in a nice way, or, or, in, a not or, nice a, or way. in an annoyed way. I'll be perfectly honest, but that's that I sound like a dick, and I will own that. But we've all been there. It is so wild to me that someone could pass the NCLEX, but it also feels like there's there's a way to pass the NCLEX so is
1: that what happened that they have fake nursing degrees like the fake diploma but they did pass the NCLEX like is that for sure that's what I was hearing
0: okay and reading I don't I don't really know I I was reading I was reading the same thing it was like they were being coached on how to pass the NCLEX so like and and that to me is not that
1: unbelievable that you could just mm go not go to nursing school. But and you then can't just study you for, the, for the boards. Right. Like, how do you get a code? Don't you need like a code sent to you from your university or something? I don't know. It's been almost 17. No, years I know. I literally. Graduated. Yeah. Like, I, I know, like, they probably changed all the rules since we graduated. Who the fuck knows?
0: But how? Okay. So how did they find this out? Like, how did this come out? This is this is what I need to know. I know the FBI is investigating it because there were several schools labeled as these like accredited programs, but they never went to class. They never did clinicals. They didn't do anything like that. Um, And I heard that it was like they were targeting more like immigrant populations and stuff like that. So like they pay a certain amount of money to get this degree. And like, did they even know were they aware That it was like a scam. If they were, what I mean, like when you got to the hospital, did you just shit yourself because you have people's lives in your hands? I I have so many questions. Like, I really want. There's, there's a certain part of me that's mad about it.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: But I'm more curious. Like, I'm, (laughs) I'm fascinated by the thought process. The New York
1: Times has an article that says the headline is seven thousand six hundred fake nursing diplomas were sold in scheme 25 people were charged this week in connection with the scheme which involved the sale of fake transcripts and diplomas issued by three florida schools that florida is get your shit together yeah as if florida couldn't be more of a disaster post covid and with all this bullshit in their politics okay this is insane we need to put out a PSA or a PSA. What would it? It's not a PSA. We're putting out a
0: question request? mark request. Question mark. There you go. Question yeah. mark
1: request. Does anyone know anyone somehow related to this scandal in Florida and Georgia? Whether you worked at the hospital, you worked with
0: them. You are them. Like we just. We'll we'll figure it out. We will disguise your voice and not have this will be like a completely anonymous thing. But we are so curious. Yeah, this is just
1: in so insane to me. So we we would love to somehow get somebody on that knows the tea about all of this. Anyway, completely
0: changing <laughs> gears totally changing gears. We have Dr. Tamika Zori on and she is a fertility doc, double board certified OBGYN REI. Like she knows her shit when it comes to egg freezing and fertility. And honestly, Jack and I just get to ask her all of our questions.
1: Yes, she answered a lot of our personal questions, but we also touch on just general egg freezing, IVF, and how she got to be this badass fertility doctor.
0: Without further ado, we are so excited to introduce you to Dr. Zori. Welcome to the woman, Dr. Zori. We are so excited to have you. You are a fertility doctor. You are double board certified OBGYN and you are a reproductive endocrinologist. Yes. How do you add in the infertility? Is that like all how do you say that? Like when you introduce yourself and you say like your whole list of things? That's a long
2: mouthful. I just say REI or fertility specialist, but reproductive endocrinologist and infertility is the technical prolonged title. Oh, such a
0: badass. (laughs) Jack and I've been so excited to talk to you because I feel like there's just so much information out there about the egg freezing process, what you should be doing, what you should be eating, what you should stop birth control. You don't need to stop birth control. You can do this. You can do that. And, you know, Jack has said she wants some like really sexy, like hot, awesome eggs. Yeah. <laughs> the sexiest oh. eggs. The sexiest, the most beautiful.
1: Not, not even just, we don't, we don't care about the numbers here. We just want sexy. I'm just Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, everyone. Relax. (laughs) Relax.
0: (laughs) So I guess like this field of fertility is is being talked about so much more on social media, in mainstream media. And I'm just wondering, like, how did you find your way into the specialty? Like, what was it about reproductive endocrinology and infertility that really made you want to specialize in it?
2: It was mostly, I always knew I wanted to go into something with like a women's health field and definitely gravitated toward the OBGYN field and that, that path. And once I got to do this specialty as a second year resident, I definitely realized that this is where I wanted to be. There's something like very unique about joining like a person, a couple on their family building journey that you just don't get in like really any other field of medicine. And so, kind of from whether you're freezing eggs, whether you're trying to get pregnant now, later in the future, whatever that couple looks like um, to be a part of that's just special. I I love this job. I love this field. It's constantly changing and you get to work with so many different people in different situations. So it's just a very fascinating field at all aspects.
1: So you had to obviously um, do your residency primarily in OBGYN first. Did you have to do a full OBGYN residency and then tack on like a fellowship? Is that how the REI comes in?
2: Exactly. Yeah. We do a full four years. So four years of medical school, four years of an OBGYN residency, and then you do a three year program in REI.
1: My God, so my jaw like just 11. dropped. I know. It's like way too much. <gasps> oh my God. God so seven years them. of residency. Four, yeah, oh, four years residency. Total. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, so right. yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. I mean, for people that aren't super familiar, that's like the equivalent to becoming a neurosurgeon pretty much. Like. Basically. Basically. And they're in their own special field too. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Wow. That's insane. You, you just spoke about the rotation that you did in REI that kind of spoke to you. What was it specifically like? Did you have any special patients or do you remember exactly the moment that you just decided? I kind of knew. It felt like I knew early on, but like
2: I've seen this even in like medical assistants who were like with us when we were talking to patients. But that first like pregnancy scan that you do with someone who's been through fertility and either like had a successful IUI or a transfer it is like one of the most like touching moments because you've seen this like journey of this couple to like culminate in this like ultrasound with like a fetus in the uterus and a heartbeat. It's, it's an amazing feeling to be a part of that. And so for most people see that for the first time in a, in a patient, a couple, it's like special. And so that was kind of one of those first moments that I was like, I want to do this. I want to be part of this.
0: That's so special. I can relate to that from my time as a NICU nurse and, you know, you there's something so magical about everything that has to happen for like a child to breathe and not need to come see me in the NICU. But Mm -hmm. also you see these parents that like you get to know them and stuff afterwards, after the baby is born. And like, you hear about all the past, you know, infertility issues they had, or how many cycles of IVF they did. And, and while like, you know, the child may be in the NICU might never have to go to the NICU, but like you just, you get connected with that. And then just that joy and seeing them with this child that they have wanted and like poked themselves so many times for, Mm -hmm. and like fought for is just really, it's really special.
1: I'm curious, with that specialty that you're in, seven years of residency, a big reason why Danielle and I wanted to publicize this fact that we're doing egg freezing is because so many women identifying people in the medical field push our fertility back for our careers. Or we're so busy with school and getting master's degrees, doctorate degrees, going back to school, starting all these projects, moving from job to job maybe finding that right partner isn't always the number one focus either. So it's just, we're waiting to find the right partner and we haven't had as much time as the normal person. So I'm curious from your own personal experience or with other colleagues, even just anecdotally, have you seen a lot of people in the medical profession choosing to egg freeze or having to go through IVF later on?
2: Yeah, and when I listened to your first episode, Jackie, you you were definitely, I feel you had a certain feeling about even having to do this process.
1: Oh yeah. And I
2: (laughs) I get why, because from a biological standpoint, it is not, we are in a different setting than like people with sperm and men in general. But I, how I approach this is, and I will definitely answer that question is one, I feel like in early adolescence college, we as women do not get the kind of education we need on our fertility, on our reproductive Mm. health. Mm -hmm. Most women go through life not understanding this age-related change that happens to our fertility. And so like from just a basic like education standpoint, like that is my goal, like understand your fertility. Now we have options to help preserve said fertility if you choose to, but if you don't, that's also okay. But at least you know about it. At least you were educated and have awareness. So I get the frustration. I'm certainly not going to be like an egg freezing pusher, but I think everyone should know. Their options that they wanted to lay kids. That said, knowing this and having done this fellowship and, and seeing just all these patients, I myself did freeze embryos with my husband. So I was I, I married when I was in fellowship. Like we knew we wanted kids. We had no idea when. He's also a physician. Um, he was early in his career, and I was in the middle of training. And so I was fortunate enough to be able to cycle at my fellowship and, and freeze some embryos. And, and so we chose that route. And I don't regret that. I I think it was a great option because I didn't know what the future held. If I chose to want kids, maybe I was going to be later. Maybe if I wanted two or three, I was going to be much older with that second or third. And so now I just am giving myself options, never a guarantee, but options for that future.
0: You bring up freezing embryos right away. So like, obviously that's a different step than what Jack and I are doing. We are just collecting eggs and freezing those
1: unless Harry um, Styles wants to make embryos with me ah! <laughs> Harry call
0: <laughs> but that brings up a really interesting point which Tamika you had sent me an article about Anna Kendrick and how she had frozen embryos with an ex that you know you know thought that was going to be like the it like end all be all for her turned out he's garbage. And now they've got these embryos. And there's so much that goes into that. Like if you're not married, like how are the embryos protected? Like can do they have custody? Are there custody agreements that you have to sign for embryos?
2: There are. are, And anytime a couple comes in, like whether you're a married couple, dating, we always have, if you're talking about embryos, it's always that conversation of, egg versus embryo, where are you in your relationship? Because I have married couples who still choose to freeze eggs. And that's at the protection of the female partner, because Mm -hmm. our fertility changes differently than a male partner. And so from Mm -hmm. that standpoint, there's not a right or wrong. There's like what is going to be best for the couple. And when you are making embryos with a partner, you have to come to that understanding that if you two separate, that is both of your property. Mm -hmm. And you sign paperwork for that. Like, if we separate, like no one can use these embryos, or you have to get the other person's permission. If you die, you have you sign like what happens to those embryos as well. And, and most people are not going to want to use embryos with an X unless you're in like very special circumstances. And so you have to understand that that if you do choose to freeze embryos, and you guys separate, that that cycle may not result in in you know usable embryos or eggs in the future.
0: Wow. Whew. I want to be a little selfish here with your time. (laughs) So Jack and I, obviously, like we, you know, egg freezing is really expensive. Not everybody can afford to do multiple cycles to get like so many eggs, to get so many mature eggs that they can actually be frozen. What kind of counsel do you give your patients to... I mean, like try and have like the best cycle, the best outcome. Um, Is there anything that you can actually do to increase your chances of having like more mature eggs produced for that cycle?
2: That's a good question. And certainly in that first consult, we kind of go over what someone's count is, you know, what you should be doing throughout the cycle to try and optimize. But I will say, so things like supplements. Always a big question over here. Should I take certain supplements to increase my egg count or quality that month? And in general, supplements have not been studied in the egg freezing population. Mm. They've been looked at in the IVF infertility population. And even then, the data is not great that it increases like live birth rates. And so from an egg freezing standpoint, I tell patients, yes, like if you want to take supplements, let's review them. You know, most of them are not going to be harmful. So you can take them. They may not have a benefit. Maybe in some people they do, but overall, like, yes, you can take them, but it's not going to be like, that's not a magic pill to change that cycle. Okay. You also talked about, you guys talked about like alcohol and diet, and those are like great questions. And I always tell people, again, there is no data that any diet is going to change your outcome with egg freezing, because when you're doing this, you're doing two weeks of shots. I want you to also maintain your sanity. So if you want to have a pizza, pizza and a cupcake, by all means, please do so. Um, even a glass of wine is not Mm going to hurt this process. You, you, like you had mentioned, you know, people who go out to a bar and have a great time and could end up pregnant that next day and have a healthy life. And so from that standpoint, like, yes, be healthy. Clinics are going to differ on that. So some clinics will tell you like to try and like really optimize your diet, don't drink, but there's no data that a glass of wine is going to hurt this process. Don't
0: smoke do do drugs. Well that's good. We don't do that already. But Yeah. Um, Unless you're my your neighbor, man, the hallway gets real skunky sometimes. Oh no, like, no. Bad skunky. Like you're smoking some really bad weed. <laughs> like it smells so
1: bad. Ew. Okay. Anyway, um tangent. I'm curious from your own experience is there anything that you did from a personal, this is not medical advice, Mm -hmm. not evidence-based, is there anything that you tried? Or, I mean, you also were in your residency, so I'm sure you were just trying to get through the process, but is there anything that you tried?
2: Nothing that I tried to change as outcome. Like I, I think it's important, like try to make your life as stress-free as possible. It will be stress-free, but just like try to minimize stress those two weeks. So maybe it's, you're gonna meal prep. Maybe your partner cooks for you if you have a partner. Maybe you're gonna order in that week and just keep your life easy. Um, Most of the time, you can go about living like your normal healthy life that you're leading. The one thing I always tell patients that will change is exercise. We usually counsel you that about a week into your shots, for the next few days post retrieval, we're gonna minimize that like vigorous exercise to reduce the risk of the ovary twisting on itself, so torsion.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that that was I why. Wondered, yeah, I was wondering why. I'm like, are we shaking the eggs loose? Like, what is
2: that? <laughs> Not, so so your normal ovary is probably the size of like, maybe a, a, a walnut, small. Mm-hmm. Some people's ovaries, if you have a big follicle count, can get to the size of a, an orange, a grapefruit, even if you have a lot of follicles. And so we want to reduce that risk of that big ovary like twisting around and twisting on its blood supply.
1: So is this where we heard like no downward dogs? Is this, is this yeah. like the same? yes i tell people that so like i say no running
2: no berries boot camp and if you're gonna do yoga it has to be like this stretchy boring yoga no down okay. dogs okay, no down with your head. we're gonna take it easy we're gonna take it really easy for so that
1: this sounds like really easy advice for me to take to be quite honest <laughs> like, but,
2: oh don't do berries sure darn <laughs> i have a lot of patients who are like what do you mean i'm like just six days like we're just gonna minimize some exercise for just like a week just take it easy oh my um, god! but otherwise like in terms of like the shots like i i won't lie i did make my partner like give himself a shot first of just the saline just to prove that he could do it and then i, I, I love then I did that it. i was like you do it first you prove that you can give yourself a shot and now i'll give it to myself um
0: <gasps> should i, I make michael do? give himself yeah. a shot of saline saline
2: yes okay you do, you're doing 10 days of shots he could
0: do one perfect <laughs> Your partner's going to hate me, by the way. <laughs> <They're like, "Who laughs> no, he's t- be like, I'll do it. I'll do it, babe. Just tell them what to do.
1: <laughs> so your personal experience of freezing embryos overall, was it a pretty positive experience? It was, surprisingly. So you mentioned things like birth control. So
2: if you have an IEP in place, keep those in place. Those do not come out for anything with egg freezing or embryo freezing. Birth control pills. We do typically have people stop like birth control pills. Nueverings, things like that for at least a month ahead of time. Reason being is that when you are on a lot of those medications for, for a prolonged time, it can suppress the ovaries and um, it can make them pretty quiet. You may not get the optimal response when you choose to like freeze eggs or embryos. So that we like a little bit of a washout, usually at least four weeks for some people who are very suppressed, maybe even two months. And then you can proceed into treatment from there.
0: Is there a way to tell if your ovaries are more suppressed for, you know, stopping birth control l- like a month in advance or, you know?
2: There is. So usually when I have a patient who comes in as a new console, um, we'll do an ultrasound and they're usually still on their pill. Mm. And, and you can see that the ovary, like it just, the uterus looks a little bit small. The ovaries look very small. The follicles themselves, like those fluid sacs are very tiny. And you can just tell that they, they've been on the pill mm. for a while. They need that break so that we're going to have like a better optimal response.
1: Other that makes sense. over nice and juicy and they look good. That makes sense. Because we have heard conflicting information. I'm sure, like you already said with the diet exercise, this is such a new field with the egg freezing that there is going to be conflicting information. Dee and I have heard some conflicting information, but that makes sense. It's like work with your doctor, get the initial consultation, all of the results, and then depending on those probably the doctor's gonna say, Yeah, you can continue your birth control or let's give it a month and see, you know, how you're doing in a month. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Danielle and I were very nervous about the birth control piece. So I heard I that. Know. I definitely heard that because I
2: heard you're debating an IEDA, which you can totally keep in place this entire time. What did you decide to do?
0: We're debating, well,
1: right?
0: We're 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 still debating. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's we're right. still
0: we're not sure. We're gonna. I'm still we're still on birth control.
1: <laughs> yeah, same. We're gonna get the initial because we're getting the initial consultation this yeah. week, and we're, we've already been on. Luckily, D and I have only been on hormonal birth control like for what Danielle like the last like
0: eight months. I mean, six I started months. when I got off of Paradise. I think that's around when so, I started too. Yeah, it was like in the summer because you so were going to Italy. I was going oh, to yeah. twelve. <laughs> and, boyfriend <laughs> yeah. finally <laughs> yeah, yeah so so like it, it's not July-ish. like you've been on
1: birth control for like t- 15 years right so yeah. i think the plan is to just for us according to the doctors that we're working with is to just see what this initial consultation looks yeah. like since it hasn't been like a, a decade of hormonal birth control let's just see how mm-hmm. it looks and then either we can continue or you know i think that's just probably a personal decision between d and i and our doctors but that makes a lot of sense i think at the end of this it's just like you're right it comes down to find a provider that you feel aligns with your values and what you, who you trust to go through this process with because there is so much misinformation and crazy things online that people are going to tell you so trust your doctor and and just stick with that
0: I have some questions around like the egg thawing process. So, you know, say Jack and I do this cycle. It goes great. We get maybe like 12 to 15 eggs that can be frozen. (laughs) You know, Um, how many eggs actually survive the thawing process? Very good question.
2: In general, so there's data from like national studies, and then it's going to be like your own clinic and what their true data looks like. And so you should always ask this whenever you're like going on that egg freezing process. Um, national data is probably about 85 to maybe 90-ish percent of eggs should survive the thaw. In different clinics, like you, you should be able to ask your clinic, hey, what's your thaw data? What What's that look like? So that you have an idea of that. Okay. So I'd say usually about 90%. And then you guys with, with age, and then it becomes a factor of like, when you fertilize, it's usually about 75% of the eggs should fertilize with sperm, unless there's like a, a fertility factor or male factor there that may exist. And then next step is kind of developing on now those fertilized eggs into embryos. And depending on the person's age when they're going, when they've frozen those eggs, that will vary it's going to be anywhere from maybe 30 to 45% blast rate. So getting those day five, day six embryos that you can eventually do genetic testing on if you choose.
0: Which can then, I know there's like, you can refreeze the embryos, but like once you thaw them, like can I I know because people want to do genetic testing and all those things on them. Mm -hmm. Is that something where you would, do genetic testing on all of them all at once and then refreeze them except for the ones that you are going to implant? Good question.
2: We, when you get to those embryos, like day five, day six, from like when you thaw them, you, if you're going to do testing, we would biopsy them then, and then we freeze everything. Okay. And then even if you want to get pregnant, like right away, we still freeze everything because it usually takes at least 10 to 14 days for that test to come back. And then in your next like menstrual cycle, we are then prepping you to get ready for that mm. embryo transfer once we have the report back. Mm. So even we re- typically refreeze everything once you reach that embryo stage to then go into a transfer and then we fall one at a time from there.
0: This is such a cool field. It is. I love it. Do I want to be a fertility nurse now? you probably do oh, you could be my
1: nurse. come on over, Danielle, you'd be such a good fertility nurse. I feel like you have all of the skills like you worked in the NICU for so long and then doing uh doing what you do in Derm allows you to work with like tiny tiny needles and mm-hmm. develop patient rapport. I feel like you'd be a really good fertility you nurse
0: you would maybe maybe side. another
1: go around. i i do want to step back a little bit from the egg freezing well first mm-hmm. my my one question is because i want to dive in a little bit more into ivf and infertility mm-hmm. just a general percentage in your clinic what percentage of egg freezing do you see versus ivf like is it like 90% and 10% or is it more even
2: more even, and I, I would really say it also depends on the provider. So, okay, we, we are a full service like fertility and freezing like clinic. And so, yes, like our male doctors will see less like young women freezing eggs from the nature of like young women probably want to see other female doctors. So, like, my split is usually between like 50 to like 60 percent egg freezing, and then the rest of that is two, typically infertility
1: wow i don't know why i just like personally maybe i just feel because we're doing it i'm like god no one freezes their eggs I, but that's really encouraging to hear to be yeah. honest
2: yes oh well in, in the bay area especially a lot of people are doing egg freezing one because there's a lot of tech companies that cover it it's mm. helpful that's <sighs> so and, amazing like, you have a benefit you utilize most people are utilizing it um also people here tend to have kids later in life and and so they're like kind of planning that I have this job, I'm getting education, and you're traveling, you're doing whatever. I'm going to phrase these eggs for like that. I probably want kids, but no time soon.
0: Wow. Oh, Amazing. That's so cool. I have no, I feel like I just have so many questions that keep popping Ask up in all. my head. They're but quick. do you work much with male infertility as well? And um, is that kind of like all encompassing under? like the REI specialty? And do men actually have like a biological clock as to where like the prime age that their sperm is actually healthy and, you know, like the risks with them doesn't go up for like genetic defects and stuff like that? Good questions.
2: Um, so in general, yes, we definitely work. Like that male pa- partner is 50% involved. They're, you know, a 40-ish percent chance of having a male factor in a couple with infertility. And so they definitely matter in that setting. Usually we'll check a semen analysis on like any couple coming in on a male partner. If there's an abnormality with that, or they have a known like hormonal issue, we can certainly start that workup, but we will usually refer them to a reproductive urologist. Mm. They will help like with that, like in case we need to like surgically extract sperm, they do that part and we coordinate with them to get, Sperm that we need to help when we have eggs from from the partner, um, so we kind of partner together from with urology. For men, yeah, and and for men with their biological age, so it's it's different than than women. Like they have less of biological age. Like a seventy year old man can get someone pregnant. A seven year old woman is menopausal. We we cannot get pregnant on our own with our own eggs. And so from that standpoint, though, yes, like male age does play a role when you're thinking about fertility rates. It does start to decline between like 45, 50 less though, so 55 in that range. Um, also things like autism, schizophrenia risk can go up slightly when male age gets above 45-ish in different studies, 45 mm. to 50. And so that's something to note. It's still a slight increase, but it is a slight increase in that. So yeah, like it matters, but female age usually drives the fertility treatment success more so. It's
1: frustrating. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting ink. <laughs> I know, I know. But I'm just so grateful for you and for our fertility docs out there that are breaking this down for people and educating people because Mm -hmm. you're so right. You mentioned something earlier about how there's such a lack of education for us and about our fertility growing up. Like I had no, obviously no idea what my, what fertility even meant. And until I was like well into my medical education of understanding it, just like I was like putting dots together, not even for myself. Even I think about the, understanding my own period and how, Mm -hmm. what that actually was, how your uterine lining is shedding because you didn't
2: get pregnant, pregnant.
1: fertilize. Yeah. So, because one of your eggs didn't fertilize, like, I don't think I really understood what that meant until I was well into college because of what I was in biology, like whatever I was taking bio 101 and like looking at that chart that that we that we all like look at, you know, like the the cycle, the, 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 the 20, yeah, the, the yep. hormones and the LH and the FSH and the yep. estrogen. I was like, what the fuck? Like, no one taught, like, how have I been having a period for the last 10 years? And I had literally
0: no idea that was happening, like that that's what that was. But I know, all learned like, how to put a condom on a banana. And most right. people learn yeah. that they learn don't have yeah. sex and they right. start, yeah. stop sick. And so
2: right. like, most women don't know fertility, like our max fertility each month, like as a 25 year old healthy person is like, 25% back. It's not a hundred. It's not as high as most people think. We spend the majority of our adult lives trying not to get pregnant. And this very finite amount of time trying to get pregnant, but no one really tells you what you need to know when you're trying to get pregnant. Like what is a period? What does it mean if you're not getting regular periods? You know, mm. are you ovulating? Like, what does all that mean? Like, we don't talk about that. And, and it's like, how can we optimize our fertility health and planning if we don't even understand our bodies?
0: Mic drop. (laughs) That is one of the single most frustrating things about like your child, like your education as, as children. Yep. I post that also on Instagram. I, I, I,
2: it's almost like we get a disservice in like high school, college education. Like there Mm -hmm. should just be a class that everyone has to take. Like even my husband, who's a physician, didn't know a lot about like the menstrual cycle, this process, like certainly he's not an REI doctor, but like, we just didn't learn that even in med school we just don't learn some right. of that like granular detail that really we should just all know about
1: uh-huh. um
2: there are a lot of women who don't know what ovulation is and like when you ovulate and have a time intercourse and that shouldn't be happening like we have to do better and that's a disservice to women people with ovaries trying to get pregnant or just trying to like live their lives and either plan to get pregnant or not get pregnant
1: absolutely well, Tamika, this has been such a pleasure to have you on the WOMED. We are so happy to share this with our community. Where can everyone find you? On social media, website, all of the above. Yes, I am based in San Francisco. I'm at Spring Fertility
2: in the Bay Area. And on social media, um, you can find me at MD. And I love chatting with people, send me messages. And I hope I can get you guys to come to that conference in May.
0: Oh, we would love to. I mean, all those uh, beautiful freaking minds down there. No, it that would is, be so that fun. Is pr- that is prime for Jack and I. I know,
1: <laughs> truly, truly. Well, we will have to keep you posted on our yes. egg freezing process. Thank you for answering all of our questions. I know this helped D&I immensely and hopefully will help so many other people going through either egg freezing or IVF. Thank you guys for having me. It's so good to talk to you.
0: God, Jack, how are you feeling now about egg freezing after that conversation? Definitely more
1: at ease. It's also really nice to know mm-hmm. that she did it herself, that she went through this process. Not that only she sees patients that and guides patients through this process, but that she's done it herself. It it kind of helps remind us like we're going to be OK
0: we're badasses and we can do this. Like, I'm not scared about the injections. I'm not scared of injecting myself. I mean, I will inject toxin in my face. So, doing these injections in my stomach, I'm like, got it. Not worried about it. But I love that she made her husband do a shot too with her. So, Michael, sorry, babe. You're going to get a shot. <laughs> Maybe we should
1: record that and put that on the gram too.
0: Oh my God, I will. We'll do it side by side. Yeah, we're going to have to.
1: Well, besides bribing my nursing students to leave five-star reviews, we hope that (laughs) out of the good nature of your own heart that you will slide down on your Apple podcast and leave us a five-star review. Send us your thoughts. Uh, Because we love to hear what you're thinking about our episodes, the guests, and the content that
0: you love to see from us at the WOMED. All of those. And who you're hoping to see, maybe in the future. We want to know it all. So drop your knowledge on us.
1: So you know where to catch us every Friday besides those reviews. Every share on Instagram, every like, every comment means the absolute world to us. We will catch you next Friday. On that note, Womed. Out.